0: Hi, I'm Ryan Becker, and you're listening to the Rock Hill Seventh-day Adventist Church Official Sermon Archive. You can find more information about our church at www.rockhillsdachurch.org. We hope by listening to this message that you are encouraged and challenged in your walk with Christ. It's interesting that the offertory this morning was uh, for Nafsoka Pines. I bring you greetings from Nafsoka Pines. Kenny is there again this weekend for a two-night stay this time. Oh, thrill were his words. <laughs> for those of you who don't know Kenny really well, he doesn't do out, he doesn't do camping and outdoors in outdoors and cabins. He is a he's a climate control freak. He will go camping as long as he can take his internet, air conditioning, and Tempur-Pedic bed. <laughs> so the Pines is not his favorite place to spend a weekend, but he's down there for the community outreach conference this weekend. And this morning when I was talking to him on the way, he said, I'm getting ready to lose my phone signal. Tell everybody. I said, <laughs> and I'm driving. I, I think I can finish that sentence. You know, So hello from, from Kenny at Nesoka Pines this morning. When I was in college, the laundry room for my dormitory was in a dungeon, or at least it seemed that way, because it was in the basement and it featured washers and dryers, old ones, a folding table, the furnace for the dorm, and a mishmash of various students' unfinished laundry and various baskets stashed around the room. And the floors and the walls were just concrete block and unfinished. Kind of like a dungeon. But I love that space because God spoke to me there. I know he was there because some of my very best prayers were answered while I was sorting laundry and folding towels and doing the weekly chores of getting my clean clothes ready for the next week. You know, the best prayers aren't the ones with the biggest words or the holiest of intentions. The best prayers are those authentic prayers. The raw relief of just saying, God, I need some help. And some of you know that I went to college at a very, very young age. And I was surrounded by 19, 20, 21 year olds because they put me in a dorm room with seniors. And I'm a 16 year old freshman. And I felt so lost. But God spoke to me in the laundry room and told me I was where I was supposed to be and that I was following what he wanted for my life. Wow. No earthquake, no fire, no storm. Just folding laundry. A still, small voice. One evening, I remember I I was trying to match up socks. Now, for those of you men who have never tried to do this, you have no idea what your wives have gone through to try to match socks, and there's always one missing. There's always, I don't know where they go. I really don't, but there's always one sock missing. And that was the last thing I needed that night. And I said, as soon as I get out of this laundry room, I'm going upstairs, and I'm calling my father, and I'm wanting to go home. I was at, you know, dormitory college. And I was going to call my parents and say, I can't do it anymore. And I got this very real feeling that somebody was there listening to me cry. guess what, I found my sock. I did. It's not a story. I found the sock. It had caught itself underneath the turnaround drum thingy. It was caught there. And I just hadn't seen it when I was pulling stuff out, and there it was. He heard me. I do think that most of us like to put God in a compartment or or a box so that we can keep him in his place. What a concept. We might search for him only when we come come here or when something terribly traumatic is happening in our lives, a major illness, a major crisis. Others, Lord, help us try to find Him in things like politics and business. but you can't contain my God. I don't know about yours, but my God cannot be put in a box. Amen. And I have found him in the wildest places and he always surprises me. When I was living in Vermont back in the 90s, I found God as I cleaned stables in the frozen Vermont winters. With my nose dripping and my hands so cold, I could barely feel them. And then, That cold, frozen barn, he stayed with me while I took care of my horses and my cows and my chickens. Chickens don't smell good in the wintertime when they can't get outside, by the way. When you have to keep them in the barn all winter, they stink. And God went with me in every stall, with every wheelbarrow load. He walked right along beside me, and in my ear he whispered, Spring. Spring's coming. There'll be new life in your barn because you're expecting two baby horses and two baby calves. Spring's coming, Rebecca. I love you. Keep at it. Those creatures are mine just as much as they're yours, and I want you to take care of them. Most recently in my life, I have found God in children. I was not blessed to have babies of my own. I I got a bought and made family. Those are kind of (laughs) nice. You don't have to change diapers. But just recently, I would challenge anybody to say that God is dead or invisible. If you will sit down with a five-year-old and ask him to tell you about the story of David and Goliath, because the details might not be quite right, but boy is the love of God there and the and the love of the story. And he can be found in children's laughter, which is so pure and genuine. My cousin Linda, her son Emmeline. This is this is a funny story, it's a true story. We were sitting out at the carport at her house. Over 20, 25 years ago, I don't even remember now. But Emmeline was about four. And she was marching across the yard with a little flag that she had made out of, of all things, a sock and a stick. And she's singing at the top of her lungs but I couldn't quite make it out until she got closer. And this was her song. Jesus loves me go. Eeny, meeny, miny, mo, And she sang it over and over again. And I found God in her song. I found God in her song. I have found God in the hallways of the public school system as I've watched a retired math teacher sit down with a sixth grader and gently, so gently, try to explain some algebra to a little boy whose bangs were hanging limply on his face and who looked so sad because his grades aren't good in math. And I found God in the patience of that man as he so sweetly worked with this young boy. And I've been told that prayer's been removed from the public schools. Just try to take God out. They may have taken prayer, but you can't get rid of God. Amen. I wonder if God creates certain things for us to see and hear, just to observe us and see if we do see and hear. When's the last time you really noticed a bright red cardinal and watched him flit through the trees? When is the last time you really looked at a dandelion before you poured Roundup on it and looked at that brilliant yellow, that glorious, cheerful yellow? And dandelions are hard to kill. God made them that way. I wonder why. It takes some of the harshest chemicals in the world to kill a dandelion. They keep coming back. you are so optimistic that you're going to love them. Now, of course, I believe God is found in a place of worship. Don't get me wrong. God is here with us this morning. You know where I see him right now? I see him in your faces. And then what you have to say, and the love. I'm looking at a family there that is hugging each other back there. And that's God speaking to us and to them. One of the hymns that we all know is Amazing Grace, and the most powerful line I believe in that, in that hymn is, I was blind. Do you see God in interesting places? If you don't, let me ask you a question. Were you looking for him? By the way, I have a note from heaven that says your guardian angel has asked for reassignment. (laughs) Oh, he has a lot of gray hair too. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that love him. Have you been looking for him in interesting places? Do you understand that just the very fact that you can take a breath is a miracle? And that God is speaking to you. He loves you so much. He loves me so much. Elijah searched for God in a whirlwind, an earthquake, and a fire, and guess what? He couldn't find him there. delicate whisper in his ear, Elijah, I'm still with you. They're not going to hurt you. Why did you go hide in a cave, my child? That's not where I wanted you to be. Are you looking for that kind of guidance? Are you listening that intently? God visits us and we don't even know he's there because we're not looking and we're not listening. At your work, at your work, God visits you at your work all the time. You think you're such a good, smart person who can do everything? How many times have you been stumped by an issue and then suddenly it was resolved. Or somebody told you just that piece of information that you needed. Or you found that reference that you needed in order to complete the task at hand. I got news for you. It wasn't you. It certainly wasn't me. I was very, very fortunate in my education. I had so many blessings poured out on me when I was in college that I know were miraculous because I never could have done what I did. And I tell people my, my story. I graduated from high school when I was 16, barely 16. I was 16 in March. I graduated out of the 11th grade when I was 16 in June. Two and a half months later, I was in college at a major university by myself surrounded by seniors. And there's nobody more arrogant than a college senior. I will tell you that right now. Think back, those of you, when you were a senior, you owned the campus, remember? Mm -hmm. And here I was, a little 16-year-old nobody who had never been anywhere except church camp and orchestra camp. And God poured his grace out on me. And when I was 19, Three years later, I graduated from college with a 4.0 average mm. and a double major. Because I'm cool, you know. I'm like the best one out there, right? Yeah. No. I gave up so many times, you have no idea how many times I called my family and said, I want to come home. I need to come home. I can't take this anymore. My parents and I would pray about it over the telephone. And I would agree to stay till the end of that semester. Now, I did change colleges a couple times because money ran out. I didn't have enough money to stay where I was when I started. So I came home and talked to one of my high school mentors. He said, Hang on a minute, let me make a phone call. Hi, God. I got a full-ride scholarship to Chapel Hill based on a phone call. Didn't stay there long. It was only for one year. And I wasn't done yet. Still had some, some work to finish. My advisor at Chapel Hill said, hang on a minute. Let me call somebody. You, you live in Charlotte, Right? Yes, ma'am. Let me let me call you CC and see what they've got available. A work study position had come open that morning, and I would live at home and commute to the campus. And I had a work study, and everything would be paid for for that last semester to finish out to finish out my undergraduate degrees, double major education and music. When I graduated, not please don't throw rocks at me parents right now because this was God working. My parents did not owe a penny. I had no student debt when I graduated. Of course, nobody would hire a teacher who was 19, so there's another story there. But in difficult relationships, we can find God. You ever had a difficult relationship? Anybody here, if you have, raise your hand if you had a difficult relationship. With anybody, even your dog, okay? Because I have difficult relationships right now with my cats, because they're young teenagers right now. And they are growing faster than I can keep up with them. And they have decided that they want to get into trouble every 30 seconds and tear down the curtains or knock over a piece of crystal or just generally get into trouble. Do you know what God gave you and me to deal with difficult relationships? In your Bibles, please, turn to Galatians chapter 6. Do we look for God in these weird relationships, these interesting things we find ourselves confronted with? Galatians 6, chapter 6, verse 22. Here's what I got. Free! Free! I don't owe any money on it. Totally paid for. I got love. I got joy. I got peace. Galatians 6. I'm sorry, Galatians 5. I'm looking at the top of the page. I'm not looking at the page itself. Okay. I'm sorry. See? Thank you so much. He put you in my life for a reason. Galatians chapter... Five. Cinco. <laughs> uh, veinte dos. Thank you. He gave me love. He gave me joy. He gave me peace. He gave me long-suffering. That's patience, by the way. He gave me kindness. The best, The best compliment I have ever received from one of my students is that I'm the kindest person they ever met. Now I know that's not true (laughs) because I am not a kind person. I am so not kind. I am sarcastic, I'm skeptical, I don't have patience. I'm a very good actress, but I was told that I was the kindest teacher this student had ever had. I have goodness, I have faithfulness, I have gentleness, and I have, oopsie, I don't know why this is put at the end of the list. It should be at the beginning of the list. Self-control. You ever had a diff- difficult relationship? Maybe God is saying, hey, are you hungry? You're I've got some fruit for you. Have some fruit. You ever, you ever needed some fruit in your life? You have a never-ending fruit basket. I don't care how many apples you take out. There's always going to be a kumquat coming up after it. Or a banana. Or a tangerine. Or whatever it is you like. Your favorite fruit is always going to be there. You can't exhaust it. Because I've tried. I've tried for decades. (laughs) I'm getting old. I have tried to exhaust my fruit basket time and time again. And every time I go back to it, it's full. And I don't know how. It's full, but it is. Do you know where I find God the most? It's when I fail, when I make a mess of stuff. And it's never anything really amazing. It's, I never caused a car wreck. I've never burned a house down. I've never, to my knowledge, knowingly injured somebody. Uh, It's not anything big, but I fail every day. I get impatient, I think unkind things, I say unkind things, I'm cold. I don't watch the tone of my voice and I certainly don't watch my face. And my favorite saying from my mother was, Rebecca, fix your face. (laughs) Fix your face. When I fail to be a hero to my students, to my spouse, to my cats, when I fail, he whispers, Rebecca, you're my daughter, make me proud. I didn't raise you to be that way. I didn't raise you, I've disappointed my father. Do you know what? He doesn't hit me with an earthquake. And God has never hit me with a fire, and he has never hit me with a tornado. Ever. What he has done is he has put his arms around me and hugged me and said, sweetie, I'm so sorry you did that. And I'm sorry you're hurting, and I love you. And we're going to walk through this together. Yes, it was wrong. But I still love you. Maybe he would get my attention better if he hit me with a fire every once in a while. But I want to tell you something, precious sisters and brothers. God doesn't send fire into your lives, the deceiver sends fire into your lives, he sends fruit and living water to put out the fire. Anybody besides me ever been lonely? Some of you know my mother was an Alzheimer's victim. My father died of pancreatic cancer and I was a thousand miles away from anybody who knew me or cared about me, really. I was alone, except for my father. And my brother, Jesus. And they got me through that last year of being by myself. And they kept telling me, I've got something for you. Be patient. I'm not quite finished with you here in Vermont yet, Rebecca. Just be patient. I love you. I thought that was an earthquake. I thought that was fire. I thought that was a tornado. But it wasn't. came out of it was better than anything I ever could have imagined before. Back in, in Galatians, if you kept your finger there, I don't know if you did or not. Chapter five, Paul says to the Galatians who he loves so much in verse seven, he said, you were running so well, you were doing so well, you were winning your race. And what hindered you from obeying the truth? What kept you away from listening? Me. Me. The one thing I find about a lot of Christians, and I'm I'm one of them, I'm getting better about being one of these Christians, is blaming God for moving. Now, I'm gonna get real theological with you for a moment. God can't move. You know why? What's the theological reason why God can't move? He's everywhere. He's everywhere all the time. He didn't go anywhere. Who got wax in their ears? Me. Who closed her eyes? Me. Who got ADHD? Me. Who got busy? Me. What happened to Peter when he was walking on the water toward Christ?
1: He was doing fine. He was just,
0: look at me. I can walk. And down he goes. Because what did he do? He looked down. He looked at his feet to see how good he was doing and he took his eyes off of where he was going. I do that all the time. Jesus wants me to live the life he planned for me. When I was living in Vermont, one of the favorite sons of Vermont is a poet by the name of Robert Frost. Some of you might have had to read him in high school. But he's required reading in the state of Vermont for the students. So I started reading a lot of Robert Frost poetry. And I, he has one very, very tiny little, what's called one of his minor poems that I found one day when I was feeling lonely and lost. And in reading it, suddenly I remembered that Jesus has called me to live a life fully and abundantly, but with him in control. And he's walking with me. He's going with me through this life. Do I understand that? No, I don't. I will someday, but not yet. Now, my life is not in Washington, D.C., it's not on the battlefield in Afghanistan. I've been a classroom teacher. A musician. Ordinary? As things in the greater scheme goes? Yeah, pretty ordinary. There're a lot of teachers. There are a lot of musicians. This is Robert Frost's poem. You got to remember it's Vermont, now. I'm going out to clean the pasture spring. I'll only stop to rake the leaves away and wait and watch the water clear. I may. I shan't be gone long. You come too. I'm going out to fetch the little calf that's standing by his mother. It's so young it totters when she licks it with her tongue. I shan't be gone long. You come too. That's the life Christ has called us to. An ordinary life. Your life. Your life is so unique. My life is so different from yours. Different from Ruth's. Different from everybody has a different life. But Jesus is walking with us and he says, I'm going over here. This is what I want you to do. It won't take long. You come too. You come with me. And we'll go together. And we'll do this thing that needs to be done. And I promise to never leave you and never forsake you for eternity. So this morning, My question to you is, when you hear that still, small voice saying, I'm going over here to do this thing that needs to be done, it won't take long. Will you come too? What's your answer? What is your answer to that beautiful invitation? be gone Lord. Let's go together. In your hymnals, I know whom I have believed. No. Oh, no, that was the first one, sorry. Yeah. Open my eyes that I might see, 326, visions of truth, glimpses of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands that wonderful key that shall unclasp and set me free. And I want us to sing this as a prayer. So in the quietness of where you are sitting, as we go through this old hymn, speak these words to your Heavenly Father.